0: Welcome to Everyday Nonviolence. This podcast is produced by Friends for a Nonviolent World, or FNVW. FNVW champions nonviolence as the foundation for effective programs and actions to promote the dignity of every human being. The Everyday Nonviolence podcast highlights people in our community who are using the principles and practices of nonviolence to transform themselves and the world around us. Their stories deepen our understanding of the impact of violence and the many ways nonviolence can be used for healing and social change. Well, welcome to the Everyday Nonviolence podcast. I'm Ellery McArdle, today's host, and we are welcoming three guests from the Eagles Healing Nest, an organization based in Sauk Center, Minnesota, which provides residential facilities and support for veterans and their families. The nest is dedicated to healing the invisible wounds of war carried by servicemen and women. Melanie Butler is the founder, director, and chair. Mike Dunphy is a former resident And Alec Embry currently lives at The Nest. I want to thank you all so much for being a part of this really important conversation today. And Melanie, I want to start with you. You are the daughter, wife, and mother of veterans. And I understand that you founded The Nest um, because you saw a need based on your experience and their experience. Can you um, elaborate more on that for me? My stepfather was a
1: Vietnam vet and we all know what they endured coming back from Vietnam after being drafted. It was pretty ugly. And so I promised him that I would help take care of veterans. I didn't know where that would be or take me to in my world. So we did, our family did four deployments in five years and my son came home and he was suicidal and the VA turned him away. And so I was challenged to come with a solution. And I always believed that if you gave them a place, they could create their own place and programs that they needed to heal with honor. And so here we are.
0: So the NAST offers a a lot of services and programs surrounding things like therapy, chemical dependency, um, outdoor adventures, a lot of different things. Um, But when you first started on this journey, did you have any idea that you would be where you are today with it?
1: Absolutely not. My original uh, plan was to house eight to 12 veterans in a rural house in central Minnesota somewhere, but obviously God had something else in store and ended up here in Sox Center. So we currently house uh, and can house up to a hundred veterans currently.
0: Mike, I wanna go to you next. Uh, You previously stayed at The Nest. Can you talk about what brought you there?
2: Sure. So from, and- 2020, uh, July, 2020, I was released from a United States penitentiary in uh, Virginia, USP Lee Virginia. And I was sent down to the Southern District of Texas where I caught a case, transporting marijuana across the border from Madame Morris to Brownsville, Texas. And um, I did my time and I was supposed to go back down there to do my supervised release and go to a halfway house. So, I took a couple days on a bus from Virginia down to Texas, and when I got there, I couldn't go in the federal building because we're on COVID lockdown. Um, So, I called. I stood outside of the federal building that that Friday morning and talked to my federal PO, and I was told that I could not get in the halfway house that they had set me up in five months before. I'm homeless. Don't have any money. What am I going to do down there? Except for possibly, you know, the same thing I was doing before. I got locked up. A friend of mine, Christina Howard in Lafayette, who works with the Mary T. Clinker Foundation, had uh, talked to me about the Eagle's Nest. Um, she had worked with homeless veterans before. I'd worked with her before and um, asked me about that. I thought, yeah, it sounds great, but good luck because I'm on federal probation down in the Southern District of Texas, so I don't know how that's going to work. Her and Melanie talked to my PO, and within an hour, my federal probation was transferred up to Minnesota, and I had a bus ticket that night. So I uh, took a few days and uh, got up here to the Eagle Ceiling Nest in uh, the beginning of August of 2020.
0: And, and what has that experience been like since you've been here?
2: So speaking from experience, because I've been out of prison before, there I've never experienced or seen or even heard of any kind of program that is like this. Um, oftentimes there are certain requirements that are put on to prisoners, getting out of whether it be a state prison or federal prison, um, things that they have to do to meet certain requirements from whatever that is. Well, the nest seems to kind of cover all of that stuff. And it's located on 124 acre ground. So there's all these, you don't have to travel, you don't have to find a ride to get to this meeting and then to go do this thing, plus your housing. Taken care of your food's taken care of. Those those are two huge things that you don't have to worry about getting out of prison to have to pay for. Because you, typically you get out of prison, you have to find a job, you have to pay for this, and then you know, there's all these requirements that you have to do. That you have to pay for. Well, the nest kind of encompasses all that, takes care of it, and uh, it, it gives you the opportunity to overcome all those hurdles as soon as you get out. It
0: I mean, sounds pretty life changing for you.
2: For sure, it was it was huge. it's been a huge deal in my life. Um, I've gotten involved with things that I never thought that I would before. And um, also have been able to kind of manifest some of the things that I had set my intentions upon while I was incarcerated.
0: So you're no longer on campus there, but how have you stayed involved?
2: Okay. So uh, one of the things that I do is I've always thought that physical fitness was a huge part of um, mental health wellness. um, Also help with recovery from addiction. Um, I had experience fighting before, um, MMA and boxing. So I started a boxing class out here at the Nest um, and also a strength and conditioning class. So three days a week, I'm out here in the morning um running those kind of things. I also stay in contact with a lot of residents, especially residents who were in the same house that I was when I was a house manager out here, but other residents as well. Um and typically kind of your day-to-day maintenance kind of things that need to get done around here that maybe a lot of people don't realize or see or or are aware of, just just kind of things that just keep everything going.
0: Mike, you were instrumental in bringing FNBW's Alternatives to Violence Project programs to the SOC Center campus. How did that come about?
2: As a house manager or resident staff out here at the Nest and living in a group residential housing center, I saw a need for conflict resolution from time to time. And I thought this would be a good way to address everybody at one time one of the counselors out here had asked me to, to speak about it for a few hours, so I kind of drew off of what I had learned in AVP before. I did some research. Again, I, I looked up things on AVP, um, different exercises that I might be able to do. I got in contact with a former facilitator that I'd worked with in an Indiana State Prison, uh, Marion Butner. And um, she had sent me some links. She had sent me some information. She had sent me the contact information for the friends for nonviolent world. And then I got in contact with them. I did my T for F facilitator stuff online, got my certification, and they had come down here and they talked to us. I I wanted to to start doing some some live workshops again, and they hadn't been doing any of those because of COVID. And they were excited about it. So we talked about all that stuff. And within a few months, um, Brucey Hawkins and I and a couple other facilitators started planning an, a basic workshop. Two of the facilitators had kind of backed out before the, the workshop actually took place because of COVID concerns. Brucey stuck it out. We did it. it. We had 16 people, Alec being one of them. We did it. It was a huge success. There was a lot of positive feedback about it. And and so we've been continuing to do that process since we did another basic workshop in February where we had 11 people graduate and we have one coming up next weekend. It's gonna be an advanced workshop actually.
0: That's great. So what impact has AVP had on you personally?
2: <laughs> okay, so wow, that's huge. Um, because I I did a lot of time in state prisons I did a lot of time in federal prison and those are extremely violent places, especially the federal penitentiary system. That's been one of the traumas maybe I've dealt with in my life and, and I've had to deal with on a consistent basis and then being involved again in a group residential setting, even though it's, it's different types of people and people with different values. There was still some some big hurdles for me to overcome. When I first got here. However, I was exposed to other people who had also been incarcerated and, and I could see the sickness that that develops in people um, after long-term incarcerations, this, the different attitudes that you might convey towards others. And, and I got tired of it. So, when I saw a lot of conflict happening out here, and, and it wasn't by any means Physical or anything like that. Nothing like just argumentative type stuff, or, or or you could sense tension in the air. I just wanted to kind of eliminate that, so um, it it just brought that AVP stuff that I had learned before, that I had you know taken workshops in before, and it kind of brought some of those values back up into my conscious thinking, my conscious awareness, and I just wanted to start to. You know, being a resident staff, I I had to lead by example. I, you know, I have to be kind of a role model in that sense. So, um, I needed to do that. And then I just kind of also, you know, with other things that have brought value into my life, I wanted to share that with other people.
0: When you think back to where you were in your life just a couple of years ago, and then today
2: a couple of years ago, probably just getting ready to get into a COVID lockdown in a federal penitentiary. Um, not a lot of hope. Didn't know what I was getting out to, was going to somewhere that I hadn't necessarily lived for a long time, um, before that. So I didn't really have anything established there previously. And then with everything that was COVID related, you know, there was, who knows what's going to happen, uh, as far as getting a job and, um, finding housing. I mean, there was absolutely like I was walking on a tightrope. I, I didn't know what was going to happen and there I was going to get released in July of 2020. So, yeah, a couple of years ago, I had no footing on the ground, but um, now I'm pretty grounded. I, I have a good life. I'm, I'm happy. I got a lot of th- good things going for me and I'm able to help other people also.
0: That's fantastic. So Alec, I wanna bring you into the conversation because you are currently staying at The Nest. Can you share some of your backstory with us?
3: I deployed to Afghanistan in 2010 with the uh, 34th Infantry Division Red Bull. Um, I was there for 10 months. And then um, once we returned, you know, I tried going to community college and things like that. And, uh, you know, what I thought was blowing off steam and, uh, you know, catching up on some good times was really just suppressing some pretty like, uh, you know, uh, moral and ethic, uh, feelings that I was essentially hiding from. I kind of just, um, was very isolated myself and uh, stopped going to therapy, uh, talk therapy sessions, um, and then I uh, started using methamphetamine. In 2019, 2020, there were about five or six uh, pretty significant things that uh, all landed on my plate at the same time on top of some, uh, previous things that I had not fully worked through. And so I really, in a very short amount of time, lost all my hope. You know, I was always trying to stay positive and help other people. But really what I was doing is I was using that to not take care of myself. I was procrastinating. I was just running for myself. It got to the point, just a little bit more movement from my finger and I would have ended it. So that happened a handful of times, but that's a very dark place to be. At that point, um, I had some interactions with local law enforcement in a few different counties in Iowa and uh, my parents ended up putting a civil commitment on me and uh, they got me on a warrant for uh, taking my dad's truck without permission. And so they took me in to jail. I was transferred eventually to the Iowa City VA uh, in the locked uh, psych unit there, Nine West. And I was there for just over 60 days. I knew, you know, I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Something's got to change. But I knew that I wasn't able to do it all on my own. And then towards the end of my stay at the Iowa City VA, I had accepted the fact that I was going to be there for the rest of my life. I was like, this is, you know, this is what it's going to be. And then (laughs) a few days later, my social worker comes in. She's like, hey, let's talk about your aftercare. I was like, what? She's like, well, you're not going to stay here for the rest of your life. And then she had brought up, you know, a couple halfway houses in Iowa, down Davenport, and then the domiciliary in Des Moines, Iowa. And I was like, I am going to need something a little bit more stable than that. Came back a couple days later, and she said that she had found this place in Minnesota called the Eagles Healing Nest. She's like, yeah, you know, they got horses and stuff like that. I'm like, that sounds great to me. So that night, I had called my mother, and I was telling my mom about – uh, the Eagles healings, the social worker brought up and my mom pulled up, she Googled it and I could hear over the phone, the video playing on the, I believe it's the nest's uh, homepage. And, uh, it got to the part where Melanie was talking and I could hear it over the phone, but I couldn't see anything. And I was like, both my mom and I, like broke down in tears, like it just sounded so amazing. And we're like, yeah. So the next day the social worker came in and I was like, yeah, let's do this.
0: So what has the nest meant to you?
3: The Eagle's Healing Nest is a magical place and it has restored hope. Um, I've been able to rebuild relationships with my family, extended family. A couple friends, um, just the the love and support, not only from people here at The Nest, but from all the communities around here. It's just, it's unbelievable, but I believe it because it's happening, right? And Dunphy mentioned earlier, you know, it's on 124 acres, you don't have to... You don't have to walk past the bars to get to an AA meeting or an NA meeting. Uh, we do that on site here at the chapel. Um, we do four meetings a week. There's last I tallied. There's like thirty-five hours worth of programming available to each resident every week. And um, yeah, the ball's in our court. Once we get here, it's a it's a safe place to be and to. And unlike other treatment programs or things like that, there's no time limit on how long a person has to or can stay here. You're not pressured to try and figure out what you need to do or what you should do with your life. If we as residents are willing and open to allowing ourselves to utilize the programming and the invaluable tools that we get here to put in our toolbox for, you know, everyday life. Like it's a, it's a chance to, it's an opportunity to make things, make your life right again and to start over.
0: So Alec, AVP is one of the programs that you've taken advantage of at the nest. Can you talk more about that?
3: AVP has definitely built uh, or strengthened some leadership skills. Uh, mostly in conflict resolution. And, you know, it, it's titled Alternatives to Violence and It's not so violent. It's just basically trying to work together in a community for a common goal. And if we have differences in a reasonable and level-headed way, to work through those or to take the time to understand where another person might be coming from.
0: That's great. So I want to throw a question out to any of you what is unique about eagles healing nest
2: i'll take that so i just wanted to say that what i think is unique to it is that there's not some sort of clinical model standard protocol that everybody is required to go through participate in everybody kind of comes here with different issues um there are people here with addiction issues, substance abuse issues. There are people here who've had TBIs, have a hard time just adjusting back into reintegrating with society, you know, for whatever reason, whether it be incarceration or substance abuse or, or PTSD from the military or TBIs. So there are a multitude of programs available here for people to participate in, in order to kind of build a sense of community again and feel like a part of community. And then there's opportunities here to kind of spread that out into the, the community around here and to participate in different events and be a part of that community. And, and once you start to feel that community within yourself again and, and you're okay with that, it's just like being, I don't know how to explain it other than being normal again, not being separated, just being a part of life again, being a part of a community again, being a part of something again, without just being stuck inside your head all the time.
0: So in the intro, I mentioned the invisible wounds of war. Can one of you talk more about what those are and why they seem so difficult to heal? I
1: can feel that. You don't have to just be a veteran to have the invisible wounds of, of PTSD and not all PTSD comes from combat. So you can have uh, military members that have military sexual trauma, male and female, right? Those wounds are things that people don't want to acknowledge. So if you look at someone that has diabetes or they have cancer, right? Everyone can see what's going on normally because of their chemo. Um, if they have an amputation, they see that, or if they have a heart attack, they have a pacemaker. But people don't get to see the wounds inside the head and inside the heart and the soul. And that includes family members, um, whether they're veterans or if they're incarcerated, their children, um, they've shown the effects of PTSD um, generations um, later in family members based on not being treated for that. So back in the day, they called it shell-shocked, you know, they have a multitude of different names for it. You can get PTSD from being incarcerated. You can get PTSD for a whole host of things, being in a car accident. You can get PTSD by being locked down for two years due to COVID and the isolation so that those invisible wounds come. So you need to expose those. We like to, Um, let them and give them enough time to um, heal from those. And that's a long journey. A lot of our veterans, our our Marines in particular, um, when they uh, go to training or special ops, they're not trained to come home. Their honor is if they die on the battlefield defending God, country, and family. So when they come home, they may, Have survivor's guilt, which then triggers PTSD. So we use a whole host of different things to help bring them back.
0: And so, Melanie, while I have you, uh, you just entered a partnership that expands your focus to athletes who've experienced brain trauma. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Sure. We have a special partnership with an organization called The Ranch. Um, Mark Pavlich, who helped uh, bring home uh, the Olympic gold against Russia. Um, and it was through those connections, like uh, Mike talked about earlier. So I met an amazing man, um, Jason Shah, who suffers from addiction and mental health. And he had actually been doing an working stand downs. Um, he had some close friends that were veterans that had suicided. And he got to know Clint Malachuk, who serves with the, and played with Mark Pavlich and, and uh, is part of the ranch board. And Mark ended up in a state hospital um, due to uh, some um, things from his traumatic brain injury from this time of being a hockey player that went untreated and undiagnosed um, and ultimately ended up at a state hospital versus a prison system. Um, so they had called and asked for help. Uh, to see if we could get Mark out of the state hospital and some help. And tragically, uh, he we well, successfully, we brought him home here and he was thriving, but he had a vision of a place called The Ranch to help athletes. Well, my sons actually played on the hockey teams that they helped create the Warriors to play veteran hockey. And so the veterans here wanted to embrace them. He came from a military background and family members, so he makes him eligible to come here. We lost Mike the, or Pav this last year um, due to suicide, um, but we wanted his mission to continue. And the ranch wasn't sure what that was going to look like or how to do that. So we partnered with them in a special partnership. So they will actually have a home here at our nest and we will share the resources together to heal them.
0: That sounds fantastic. Sounds like you're gonna be able to reach a whole other group of individuals as well.
1: Absolutely, we were just at a wild game. Uh, We were the seventh state that the National Hockey League is trying to bring awareness to mental health. And um, we actually had three veterans uh, that played hockey that came up and asked for help that night of the event. So that's pretty amazing. If it helps one, then it's all worth it.
0: Yeah. Any closing thoughts or comments from either of you?
1: Um, First, I'd like to thank AVP and thank Mike for bringing it here. We're very grateful. And I think that what Alec is saying and what Michael has said is truly what the vision was, that they would create their own place and their own programs and that they would hold themselves accountable of what they needed to heal. And they've done that and they continue to do that. So to watch them Although I don't participate in their AVP classes, I get to see the outcomes, which is
2: really powerful. And If I could just say on top of that, um, you know, AVP, I know it's, it's, it's a big thing in prisons, but um, the impact that it can have on communities in general, not just like a group residential housing center, but I mean, the things that you learn here, the, the the skills that you learn, the bonding that happens, you know, this kind of thing needs to, be, this needs to happen a little bit more often in all communities, you know, regardless of what it is. Um, so I, I hope by me bringing it here and exposing it to a few other people, it can be a self-sustaining program here at The Nest where we develop people who are interested in becoming facilitators and, and carry on the tradition here. And um, then there's, you know, uh, their own group of facilitators and then hopefully maybe, you know, take it out into different communities someday, like, like, you know, I did from prison and brought it here. We talked about that to do that for families, right, for spouses, uh,
1: because conflict resolution uh, for them uh, coming out of prison or even in a veteran community is huge. That's that communication key in that reconnection
0: well melanie alec mike thank you so much for your candor and for sharing your stories we really appreciate it thank you more information about the eagles healing nest is available at eagleshealingnest.org and you can learn about the alternatives to violence project at fnbw.org avp Thank you for listening to Everyday Nonviolence. To learn more about Friends for a Nonviolent World, visit our website at fnvw.org or call 651-917-0383. We hope you will subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes and insightful conversations. Please note that the views expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guest and are not intended to reflect the official positions of FNVW, its staff, or board of directors.